This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters, and we are the beginning of week four for spring football 2021. Practice today was held out on the east field, which means we are up high, exposed to the elements, and uh, kind of cloudy, then sunny, cloudy and sunny when the wind kicks up. It gets a little cool down there, but uh, spring game on Saturday, expecting, we'll see what kind of crowd we get, because it looks like early on in the week that they're projecting rain so we'll see how that goes but again today Chris a lot of situational football yeah no I think the the biggest thing and I asked John Donovan about this we the media got a chance to talk to both the the coordinators afterwards and basically it's 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 something that I think Lake likes to throw on these guys sometimes because we think we always think that everything is scripted when they do their practices like they have these you know these they have, a sheet. they have a sheet. They always have their sheets, and they always say, okay, we're going to do this period here, and then we're going to go do special teams, and then we're going to go have an individual drill, and then we're going to bring everyone back together and run stuff. And so it's this whole part, whole thing that, that we always kind of gotten used to with Chris Peterson. And Jimmy likes to do that, I think, at times, but then I think also he just was like, okay, that period's over. All right, situational, here we go. Uh, the offense has got the ball. There's two minutes left. You're on the 40-yard line. you got one timeout, and you're down by three. Let's go. And he'll, he'll just throw these out there like, you know, I think they had the, the, the end of the drill on Saturday that the fans got to see where it was like the one offense versus the two defense, the two offense versus the one defense. He did a little bit of that again today. And the offense, the, the number one offense got pinned back at the three-yard line. It was a great punt by Race Porter that Dominique Hampton down at the three. And basically Dylan Morris took – the ball from the three and was able to march it all the way down the field. Even though they were only down three, they were able to get a score on a um, Sean McGrew, like it was an eight-yard run. But he was able to find like um, Jalen McMillan down the sideline for like 53 yards. I mean, there were some there was some really good stuff, but that was very reminiscent of like the drive that they had against Utah, for instance. No pads today, but I think today is one of the days where I think the focus was on the offense, Chris. I think – I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure what you mean by that. It just seemed like the offense. There was more <coughs> offensive plays that stood out today than the defense. I think there was bigger plays. I think Jalen McMillan certainly had his best day. I think by far, production-wise, he had a 60-yard touchdown uh, throw from Patrick O'Brien that was basically like a 20-yard pass. And the, I think the defensive back just took a bad angle, and he was able to cut it upfield and basically go untouched. So um, a really, really good day for him. I thought some of the tight ends stood out again today. I think Quentin Moore had a really, really good day today. Obviously, Kate Otten steady. 
Um, it just seems like they know what they're going to get from Kate Otten. <laughs> you know what you're going to get, but uh, they're looking for guys to step up. And Quentin Moore is definitely the guy that's uh, you know stood out. Is he listed at six six and about two fifty? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good sized target, and would it be fair to say that he may have the best hands in the tight end room? Um, he's showing himself to have really good hands. I don't think he has better hands than Kate Otten, but um, you know there were some situations there where. Um, O'Brien was thrown into the end zone and, and found him a couple different times. And then O'Brien tried to throw basically the same concept to uh, Mark Redman. And he had the ball and he was able to catch it. But then uh, Mickey Payet made a great job of batting the ball away. And that the defense just went nuts because it was like Quentin Moore was making him look kind of bad. And then when they were able to get another guy in there and Mickey Pay was able to knock the ball away. It was the, the defense; they they got all over it on that one. It was it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I think Quentin Moore is definitely you know make turning himself into a, a red zone threat, um, but then in addition, just being able to out physical and out jump guys in the red zone, he's doing a nice job of finding uh, space underneath in the seams. He is, and I think he's earning the trust of the quarterbacks. I mean, one of the touchdowns that. Um, that Patrick O'Brien threw to Quentin Moore in the end zone was just a dart. I mean, it was just like they made the read, they saw it, they knew they could complete it, there was no hesitation, and uh, it was a dart in the end zone, and, and Moore caught it without any issues, no bobbles, no snag. I mean, it was just a snag. So it was um, uh, a good day by him for sure. Uh, John Donovan certainly mentioned him. John Donovan, he, he even mentioned Devin Culp as a guy he thinks has taken the next step in terms of the tight ends as well as Mark Redman. So um, there were certainly some, some things that the offense, for sure, could, could take from today and usually, and I think they could turn it into something because, as we've seen, the defense often has uh, the upper hand in a lot of these practices. And even though they had a few uh, interceptions today, it, it wasn't like they were super glaring. Uh, one of them was on a Hail Mary on the very, very last play of practice that Jacoby Covington caught. So – it was overall, I'd say the offense had a much more equal day to the defense because it wasn't like the defense didn't have a, a or defense had a poor day. I thought the defense had some some really good moments as well. One of the positions that we just haven't talked a lot about, um, you know, for spring football has been the offensive line. They've just been steady, and you know, compared to some of the other spring and fall ball camps that you know we've been involved with. Not seen anywhere near the amount of holding penalties as we've had in the past. They've just been quietly steady all all spring. Yeah, well, there's no officials today, so they weren't necessarily calling penalties. Jimmy was calling penalties, and <laughs> Jimmy had all sorts of penalties he wanted to call. So um, there's that to, to think about, too. But, yeah, with the offensive line, the only thing that's been super noticeable is, is not having Victor Kern out there. And he had his foot in a boot today, which I don't know if that's the first time I've seen that, but it was the first time I noticed it. And um, – so, I mean, but he's out there. He's, he's out there at every practice. And so I, I, it feels to me like it's a precaution ter- uh, precautionary type thing. Um, same with JV on Sunday. He had his foot in a, bu- in a boot sometimes. Um, so that was kind of interesting. That first time I had noticed that as well. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line I think has been really steady because Kern has not been at right tackle. They've used – obviously, Mateo Mele has been playing a bunch with the ones, and they've moved Roger Rosengarten over there to get some reps with the twos. So, um, you know, and Sam Peacock, Samuel Peacock is another guy that's getting reps at the two or twos and threes. Um, you know, some of, the, some of the battles are starting. I think they're getting more turns with, like, Nate Kalepo with the ones at left guard, for instance. 
I noticed during one or two of the periods today that Julius Bulow was getting in, maybe with the ones a little bit from time to time at right guard um, instead of Henry Bainavalu. So I, they, I think they're mixing and matching some of these guys because um, I had asked uh, Coach Donovan after practice about the quarterbacks and whether or not they were getting more with the ones or if that was a function of, of guys just taking advantage of their opportunities. And he said there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It's just they want to get certain guys on tape doing certain situations with certain uh, packages and certain groups. And so you can say the same thing, Kim, about the offensive line, as well as like the receivers, for instance. I think there was some movement uh, there as well. Quarterbacks. Um... It's interesting because I think it's really, really close. I think Dylan is probably penciled in as the starter right now, as the incumbent, and Patrick O'Brien is right there on his heels. And kind of an interesting moment we had, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator, John Donovan, post-practice, and I asked him if there was a scenario that he could see where he would play two quarterbacks and uh, classic reaction from John Donovan. Well, I mean, you caught him off guard, clearly. <laughs> so if you, if, if for anyone that sees the official Go Huskies video of it, you'll probably see a nice little bleep out. Or a cut. Um, or a cut or something. But it wasn't anything. I mean, he just, you know, it was just a gut reaction. It was, but it was, it was kind of muttered under his breath, like, oh, man. It was like, oh. One of the seven words you can't say on television. Yeah. yeah. S-H-I-T. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. It, well, I mean, seriously, it won't get cut on ours. I, don't, I mean, it's not a big deal at all. But, um you know, it is interesting when he did say that it, they're re- it, even though we've noticed that O'Brien's gotten more reps with the ones, it's not because it's necessarily a function of him taking advantage of his opportunities, which he said he has. Um, the one thing that he pointed out was is there's two things with O'Brien. First of all, you're never quite sure what you're going to get with, with, with getting a transfer in like that, a grad guy. But the other thing is is that you know you watch him on tape and you see him in certain situations, but you're not exactly sure what his demeanor is, what is like when he's actually in the heat of the battle. And he says, I know that that Dylan Morris can un- can handle the heat of the battle. I've seen it up close and personal. but with but with a guy like O'Brien, can he do that? And he goes, yeah, we saw it and 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 we're seeing it more and more. And so the comfort level, I think, with those guys when it comes to either one of those quarterbacks is just fine at this point. I think they'd, they'd go to war with either of them. Is it me, or does O'Brien seem a little bit more efficient in the red zone? Um, I, think, I, think he's been, I think he's shown a lot of efficiency in a lot of the areas. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he's been more productive than Morris this spring. But I also don't – I'm not privy necessarily to what they're trying to do all the time. Um, I've just noticed there have been some certain team situations where Morris has been three and out and O'Brien's been able to drive those guys to a field goal or a touchdown uh, earlier in spring. So from that perspective, um, he's, I think he's been more productive. I think they've also been very good in eliminating turnovers. So that part's been um, a positive for both of those guys. But still, when it comes down to it, they know what they've got in Dylan Morris. I mean, and again, that 97-yard uh, drive today. I think they had. I think it was 68 seconds on the clock, no timeouts, and you know he completes a pass out to Terrell Bynum. He completes a pass, I think, to Odunzi, and then he finds McMillan all the way down the sideline with um, with Elijah Jackson covering him, and and then is able to just keep going. And and that 97 yard drive. I think, like I said, 68 seconds on the clock, Kim, and I think they scored with 40 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it was that. It was lightning fast. So. 
Um, again, they know what they've got with Dylan Morris, and now it's the comfort level with, with Patrick O'Brien is clearly on the rise because of the reps that they're getting. You know, standing next to Hugh, you know, Millen at practice today. And, you know, when I saw the success, you know, that O'Brien was having in the red zone, I asked Hugh, you know, when you start getting down inside the 10 in the red zone and you're going to throw the football, does it matter if you're 6'5 or 6'1, you know, because things are getting tight? And he says, yeah, you can just see things more clearly. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, you know, we're not looking at the end zone cut. So, um, you know, but, boy, the quarterback battle is going to – the. Um, Conversation is going to continue on for a while. Um, I'm, would you be surprised if we go into the final week without a starter being named? I would, because I don't think I don't think Dylan Morris has done anything to lose the job. Um, Do you think you're going to see two quarterbacks play? No, I, I, I think his reaction summed it up. They're not they're not looking at it that way at all. It I, was funny, by the way. It was funny because I, you caught him off guard. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, why would anyone think about two quarterbacks right now? I mean, they've, you know, they're. Well, I think everybody in the media has been thinking about it. Uh, I haven't. Yeah. No. I think there's two clear options at quarterback, and I don't think they necessarily have to mix them. Um, there may be certain situations they they might try they might try certain situations. I don't know, and I think that there's there's clearly an idea, Kim, that that's on the table, that they could maybe have a package for O'Brien or a package for maybe even a package for Sam Hewitt. You don't know at this point because there's so much going on. They've installed so much stuff. I asked um, John Donovan specifically about the mechanics of how they've been able to install all their stuff because he talked about how much inventory they have right now in offense compared to what they had last year um, through four games. And he goes, you know, the ability to double up the install periods, the ability to double up their reps during the team periods, you know, you've got everybody moving, everybody either taking a mental rep or a physical rep, there, and, and it's fast. Um, I think he said has been has been huge for them, and we'll see how much it pays off um, in the fall. But I think so far, I think we could see how much you know how many turns and how many reps they've had. It's it's been noticeable. We did have a chance to talk to John Donovan, and I thought one of the interesting things that he talked about was the running backs and um, you know where we saw them last year. You know, play uh, quite a few running backs. Uh, John Donovan said, you know, they want to get into a couple of guys. And he specifically mentioned Cam Davis. He mentioned Cameron Davis. He also mentioned Richard Newton. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he also talked about Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant being those steady guys that they know all about and that they can go to any time. But definitely Cameron Davis and Richard Newton were the guys that stood out today. Um, and it seems like, and, and, and again, I'm sure they'd correct me on this, but it sure feels like every time – a team period comes, and it's a one-on-ones, for instance, or, or even a ones versus twos. Whenever the one running back comes out, it almost seems to be Cameron Davis, almost like every time now. Um, so it seems to me they're giving him every opportunity to win that job, and, and he's done a nice job with it so far. And, again, Donovan singled him out as a guy who's – Really stepped up and taken advantage of his of his chances. Well, third and third down on passing downs last year, we saw quite a bit of Cam Davis, you know, and he proved to be probably have the best hands of the running backs. But we just haven't seen a lot of balls thrown to the running backs this spring. We haven't necessarily seen a ton of them, but I would say that Kamari Pleasant has great hands. Um, I, I I haven't really seen a guy that doesn't have good hands in that room. I think those two guys probably have better hands than the others. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, no, again, no JV on Sunday today because of the 
foot in the boot. Um, it certainly looked like Caleb Berry was limited because he was on the bike a bit. Um, so that I think they really focused on, you know, McGrew, Pleasant, Davis, and Newton as kind of the guys um, during their situations. On the other side of the ball, we had a chance to talk to the defensive coordinator, Bob Gregory, who's, you know, he's I think he's real happy with Ryan Bowman, but uh, he talked a little bit about the linebackers too, uh, which I thought was interesting. Well, he did, and, and we noted that, you know, we asked him kind of with Eddie, you know, kind of going outside sometimes, and he did that with Josh Calvert on Saturday, um, maybe even Friday and Saturday. Uh, was there a move towards maybe trying to get those guys a little bit more involved and maybe staying on the field and, and, and doing more and showing more? Because the more things you can show, now all of a sudden if a if an opposing offense is all of a sudden seeing Eddie Ufocio at inside linebacker and then he's moving down to the line and he's playing out on the edge, now all of a sudden that's a wrinkle you wouldn't have seen last year, for instance. And he said, no, it's, it's more of a function of just the limited numbers um, at outside linebacker, when you don't have Zion Tupola Fatui, obviously Leatu Latu is not there. Um, Savelle Smalls was back today, which was good. That, that didn't, uh, I don't know how, I couldn't tell to see exactly how super involved he was in the team stuff, even though they didn't run live at all today. I mean, it was all thud tempo, rap tempo. Um, but he was out there running around, had his helmet on, doing his thing, so that was good. Uh, Braylon Trice had a phenomenal interception of Heward, um, kind of in that drop-back zone thing that Jeremiah Martin did when he picked. And Bob Gregory also mentioned Braylon Trice is one of the guys who's really standing He's out. mentioned Braylon Trice. He mentioned both Cameron Williams and, and Cab Fabikulanen uh, as the two, the two cams, as he calls them, that uh, have, have really stepped up and done some really nice things so far. And then he also has been super pleased with the interior guys, with Thule and Taki specifically. But then he also mentioned the freshmen. Uh, I noticed in a couple of the team periods with, with the ones where uh, Kuapehopa was able to get in and get some work done. And it, remember, he's a guy that came in during winter. So he's a little bit further ahead than Devoy Tanufi right now. But both those guys have had really good springs. They've been ever-present. They've been to every practice. They've, done their, they've gotten their work in. And to me, it looks like, wow, they, they really like what he's done. And Sometimes when they're running those those fifty fronts, or they're running those kind of those odd fronts where they have the the, the multiple t- defensive linemen, you'll see Tulian Taki being the mainstays, but Fatui Tuatele will be in there. Jacob Bandis might be in there a little bit, but then they've they've also put in Kwapehopa, they put in Voitunufi, they put in Noangalu who had a sack during the the team period where Coach Lake came unglued. We can talk a little bit about that if you want to, but um, that was that was interesting to watch. But uh, So I think the defensive line in general, I think, has had a very solid practice and very solid spring uh, overall. Yeah, with uh, Asa Turner out again today, and he's been in and out quite a bit this spring. And Alex Cook. Yeah, you're getting a chance to see uh, quite a bit of Julius Irvin and um, Jacoby Covington. And Jacoby Covington's going to be a player at some point. I don't know if he's going to get as many opportunities this year, but at some point, that guy's going to be a player. Well, you know, one of the things that Bob Gregory talked about was position versatility, and that was one of the things he talked about with guys like Ula Foscio and Calvert going down to the, to the outside linebacker to help with the numbers at times. But Jacoby Covington is a guy that worked a lot outside at cornerback today, for instance. Um, he was locking guys down outside. And so I asked Gregory specifically, I mean, are you guys still searching for a position for him? And, he, and they said kind of, but at the same time, 
if we can get film down on all of those positions and he's learning all those, the position versatility is going to, it's going to enable him to play. Yeah. It's going to get him on the field. And so those guys, you know, if they find a way to find, to get on the field, they're going to do whatever it takes. And he's certainly one of those guys that has shown it. Fabiculon is another one of those guys. You mentioned Julius Irvin. He's another one of those guys. Um, I thought it was interesting, though, because, it, again, Dominique Campton, Cam Williams were usually kind of at the one safeties when you didn't have uh, either Cook or Turner available today. Um, and then um, – but, again, I think, like, Pookie Radley-Hiles at the nickel with, with Fabiculon, and those guys are making plays. They're showing up. Um, the, fr- the freshman corners, uh, Jackson, and, and I know he got toasted on the one play, the double move uh, by uh, McMillan. But uh, both him and Smith, I guess they've been very consistent all camp and they've shown up. They're big bodies. I mean, they're just big, big, big dudes who I think are going to continue to get bigger, stronger, faster. You know, it's interesting to watch the practices and you can just see some of the guys that have that veteran in them. They just seem to have a little bit of swagger. Uh, they play with a different speed. They know what they're doing. And the guy who, me, just seems to have really grown up in that way is Cam Williams. I think Cam Williams has had an outstanding camp. He's had an outstanding camp for sure. Nope, he's, he's done a really good job. Um, I know a lot of people were wondering because you know, he, he really started out with a flash two years ago. I mean, he came in as a true freshman, started right away, and then he kind of leveled off, and then he didn't really kind of build off that last year, didn't really flash in terms of one of the safeties in 2020. So I think – I think the question for him was: Is that was he kind of stuck in a no man's land? Was he kind of in limbo? Was he did he peak? Was he was he there? Well, I don't know if he peaked so much, but had he had he plateaued a little bit in terms of did he need a, did he need to step it up to go to another level? And I think he has for sure. Um, again, Gregory singled him out today, um, and when they've when they've looked to him, and again, I think it helps when they don't have Turner and they don't have Cook. It makes it makes it a lot easier for those guys to get a lot more reps and to get noticed. And he's certainly one of the guys that's gotten noticed. Hampton's obviously been very consistent all spring, and I think Julius Irvin was a guy that stepped up a little bit today and showed some things. Yeah, no, that secondary. I mean, there's going to be a lot of battles there. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if these guys are locked into playing the entire game and how much rotation we're going to see in that defensive secondary because there's just so many guys. Well, yeah, and I, you know, Mecky Pay. I, I mentioned that he got the pick um, off of, off of Taj Davis when he, Taj Davis tipped it, and he was able to catch it before going out of bounds. Uh, that was a really athletic play by Mecky Pay, and I remember seeing Mecky Pay when he was the the defensive um, MVP of the Polyne- uh, the Polynesian Bowl, and he was good even back then. And I was thinking, God, they, Washington's got a chance to get him as a walk on. It's like back to you know, back to back defensive uh, MVPs with him, and then Hamuli the year before. So. They've been able to get some really good work done, and and he showed his worth trying to go up against those tight ends where Moore was able to get a, a tight end uh, catch with him in the end zone, and then he was able to come right back and, and uh, deny Mark Redmond a catch in the end zone on basically the same route, same concept. And so, you know, all those guys are battling because we haven't really talked much about Mecky Pay, for instance. When we talk about the walk-on guys, we've been talking about Mish Powell, we've been talking about Kaysen Kinchin, and Kaysen was out on Saturday, but he came back and he played – on Monday, so they're back to full strength, and um, except for the safeties, obviously. But um, 
Yeah, like you said, Kim, I think all those guys have done a great job. They've been very competitive, and it's only going to add their, – their position versatility is only going to add to their value as they go forward. Michelle Powell is a walk-on. Yeah, he could start. He could start for God. He could start for teams in this conference. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think I don't think you get any argument from Lake or Harris on that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know that for sure. I mean, I'd have to go back and look and see what other other teams have. But they they have no qualms about throwing those those walk ons out there with the first teams. They just they haven't um, with with. Trent McDuffie getting less and less reps, just kind of knowing what they what they have with him. He is he has been the one that's been able to take advantage of those reps. It's been Mish Powell and it's been uh, Kyler Gordon at the at the main corners at the number ones. Have you seen Trent McDuffie really? I mean, as good as he is, he's been out there. He's been running around doing his business, but they haven't really asked him to do a ton of ton of of, of stuff with the ones and, and stuff with the teamwork. And they don't throw his way. Well, when they've been in, when he's been in there, no, not really. But I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's necessarily a function of him being out there. Yeah, no, I think that's more of a function of of him not necessarily. I mean, he, he, like I said, it's when they've been running with the ones. Typically, it's been Powell and it's been it's been Gordon. It hasn't been McDuffie. Yeah. So I mean, if they want to throw him out there. Well, I mean, we could find out what it's like, but I think everyone already kind of knows what it's like. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the elite corners in the country, so yeah. they know what they're getting from Trent. I don't think there's going to be a problem there. Yeah, no. Um, but he, I mean, for all we know, he may be nursing something. I don't know, but he's out there every day. He's doing his individual work. He doesn't look like he's hurt, doesn't look like he's dinged up. He's catching punts. Yeah, I mean, he's doing what he's doing what you would expect him to do, but... Maybe the maybe the point was is that they, maybe the point was trying to to give him a little bit of a breather in spring. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, uh, anything else we need to cover, Chris? No, I just again, I, I thought it was a really telling comment by Coach Donovan about how uh, Jimmy just likes to throw them curveballs and just likes. I think I'm going to write about this. I think a little bit later today, but just this idea that um, you know you think these situations are scripted, and all of a sudden it's like. No, it's like it may be scripted that you're going to have a team situational period, but you may not know what the situation is going to be. So you, so not only as a player are you having to re, to react to it and play to what the situation requires, but also think about the coaches and think about what they're doing. Like I asked Donovan because we see Donovan usually 15, 20 yards away from the huddle. We're, he's nowhere near those guys. So you would expect them to, to be having more conversations with the coaches to try to figure out what the plays are and all that kind of stuff. He, he's way far away from it. He's letting Huff and he's letting Bonafa and Junior Adams and Durham Cato, he's letting those guys really react more to what's going on with their position groups because he's trying to call the plays. And he is as caught off guard by the situations, anything. So now all of a sudden he's got to go, okay, am I in two-minute mode here or am I, am I in four-minute mode? How many timeouts have I been given? Um, you know, what is, our, what is our end goal here? And so in some of the periods, it was like one of the periods was a four-minute period. And so they were literally practicing Dylan Morris taking the snap and then running around for like five or six seconds before getting touched to allow them to eventually get into victory formation. And you kind of think, well, these are all situational stuff. So it's just kind of taken for granted. But you got to work these things. You've actually got to figure it out. And not only do the players have to execute it and make sure that they're on that same page, but the coaches also have to do the math. And they have to figure out what time do they have to get to before they can actually get into the victory formation. So they have to figure out, okay, do we run this live for like five seconds? Can we run it live for 
three seconds? Can we run it live for eight seconds? What what can we actually get accomplished here? And Donovan looked like he really relishes it, but at the same time, he's kind of like, "Damn, you know, it's like what? I have no idea what he's going to throw it to me." So, it, so it, it, it's as, it's much of a mental test as is, as it is kind of a function of how he would actually have to react as a play caller if the situation comes at some point like this fall, for instance. And when they were running the uh, run out the clock drill, did, yeah. you, did you hear Mr. Millen? Did you hear you? No. He had flashbacks to that Arizona game. Oh, no, oh, he and, did, and yeah. he, he got all pissed off Yeah, again. no, it was, it, he, he was talking about the Arizona game with Peterson yeah. at Arizona where they lost um, because they lost track of the clock. And then yeah. Peterson went, he, he, he kind of defended his, his sheet that they have for like what would they would call and stuff and how they got it wrong. But it's, but it does. It, Millen got all fired up again. It but it, fun. but it comes back to those situations, Kim, and it's exactly why they drill these things over and over because you don't want to get caught with your pants down in that situation because they lost the game because of that. Yeah. And you cannot lose a game because of that situation. And it's like, and I, and I go back to the thing I referenced with, um, so O'Brien was there with the twos and they were in a situation where they were trying to get down the field, so they, I think they were down three so they could kick a field goal, what have you. He steps back and goes to pass, and again, they've got like no timeouts or anything, so they're in a, they're in a situation where they've got to clock the ball if something happens and if it's live. He got sacked by Noah Ngalu, and it was like an eight, minus eight-yard eight sack. So he's trying to be able to clock the ball, get everybody set, and I think it was Cam Davis and Jalen Polk who were not able to get back to the line of scrimmage before he clocked the ball. So they added another penalty on top of it. And when and when Lake saw that happen, he just got he he just came unglued. And it was probably the first time I've seen all spring where he just lit he lit into those guys for about 15 seconds. And he just said, That's unacceptable. And he and he obviously used a few other choice words. That uh, I won't repeat here. Yeah, I know. But he was livid. I mean, absolutely livid. And those are the kinds of things that you have to keep drilling over and over because those are what cost you games. Wide receivers just kind of jogging back with no giddy up in their step, and they weren't set. Well, they yeah, they clearly weren't focused on the situation. They weren't. They I don't know why you wouldn't understand what was going on there. Maybe it's. Maybe you just have to be in Husky Stadium with a uh, with a stadium packed full of people, maybe to get the point across when 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 they're booing at you or they're doing something. If you screw up, but yeah, it was it was weird. It was it was weird to see that they weren't all on the same page. And when and when it happened, he let them know. I mean, he let them know in un, no uncertain terms that that was absolutely ridiculous. We have a practice on Wednesday, um, full practice on Wednesday. Friday's practice, it sounds like it's going to be cut short. Um, Same thing as it's been the last two Fridays. That's not, we're not going to cover that, though. We won't cover it because there's no media availability afterward. Yeah. So they were saying that there's no – I mean, you know, media didn't have practice on Friday if they didn't want to go. We can go watch it, which it sounds like we'll probably go and watch it to at least, at least cover what we can see. Um, but there won't be any conversations with, with the coaches or my players gut, afterwards. My gut says it's going to be a lot of walk-through stuff in short practice. It, it will be in some ways. Now, again, the last two Fridays have been kind of prelude to the scrimmages that have been open to the public, right, where right. they've been full pads. So the Friday practice, I doubt, will be a pads practice. Um, again, like you said, it will be probably a lot more just, again, some situational stuff, but mostly just trying to clean up some things ahead of spring game because obviously they want to show out 
you know, on that Saturday. And so um, I wouldn't expect a ton of work. And it, it, if they go 90 minutes, I'd be surprised. I I'd probably would imagine they might even go a little bit less than that. And then Saturday, uh, spring game. Right now, looking forward to the forecast, I'm seeing 40% chance of rain. Is it 12, 1230? When is it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you know, Seattle, the weather forecast can change tomorrow. So we will see. But uh, anything else, Anything else, Chris, did I miss? No, no. I think that's pretty much it. Again, a good day for the offense. Was able to take uh, advantage of certain situations. I think the, the, the quarterback situation right now is good. I think it's really good. Um, I think Donovan's very, very pleased with that. I think he's also pleased with the way some of the running backs have stepped up and done some things, and as well as the receivers. I think there's, there's certain guys that, that, that really had big days today, and McMillan was right on top of it. So I know I've been critical of McMillan this spring and, and was wondering when, when the light might have gone on with him, and today may have been the day. Uh, I mean, this, it was a good day. Like I said, he had two catches of over 50 yards each and, um, and looked engaged. Looked engaged, no drops that I can remember, and uh, overall just had a really good day. All right. Uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alert, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up. Final week of spring ball. We'll be all over it at dogman.com. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.